0: together. Fuck.
1: good morning you know if you look outside even though the Sun is shining outside the Sun Jesus Christ our Heavenly Father is shining in this beautiful sanctuary can I have an amen I'm Harvey Curley I'm up here to do the testimony and testimony is uh, if you don't know is how how did you see God this last week what's going on with your life and uh, we'd like to have you raise your hand and share with your brothers and sisters, what's going on in your life. And uh, it's exciting for us because as I said last time, we can't pray for it if we don't know what's going on in your life. It's happiness or otherwise.
2: Hello. Hello, sir. Hello, Hello everybody in the church. My name is Gregory, last name Walker. I'm a new guy in town. I'm just up. Rollo, roll up. I do the apartment. down back to Rollo Roll up. Manor Co-op, yeah. Rollo Manor Co-op, yeah, right down the road. I'm on floor. Uh, I came from Detroit. I was homeless. I left my sister in Southgate, Michigan uh, for about six months. I live her for a six months until my apartment got ready. I went to CSI to get a place in Warren, out there in Warren. Then they got me a head down. That's how you got to do, you live like day. That's how I live like a rollout now. There's so much to see in this life. I got a fabulous apartment, everything. Every, I'm in the studio apartment right now. I do go to church. I do a trip before I come to the city when I was back in Southgate, Michigan for a minute. And, uh, I go every day to service. And I walk every day 30 days uh, 30 minutes of time. And then that's done. I walk more. I walk all through the day after, see say action. Uh-huh. And uh, I, mean, I got money, I go to movies, I'm going everywhere, here, out here. I go to restaurant, I eat food, I got food, and groceries. Today is my food stamp day, check day, there's money in my account tomorrow. No, I got still money tomorrow. I go to the machine, get some money. I got, you know, here you go. Uh uh, I'm very say, I'm I'm glad I'm making this church service. And uh, I'm not uh, I ain't racist. I love all people. Uh, I got my apartment, I own space in mine. I'm on the tip floor apartment, And I do uh, uh, they got a Washington thing, I am a neat guy. I try to carry myself. I I ain't, I got issues though. But I make sure I do shower one day and put clean clothes on. I ain't got no I ain't sorry about that. It's one thing I got that down pat. And I do uh, eat good and all that as much as I can. I know how to cook some meals, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm I'm here just home church home. I came up I walk there every day here. I walk down this road, I walk way down that way, I go to L I exercise, get my exercise on. That's how I find the church, I going it get here. So well, I love y'all pray for me and I'll pray for y'all. And uh, I see. Uh-huh. Okay, so,
1: yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yes, Amen. You know, you know what I noticed—that nobody set up in front. You know that the pastor, whoever's going to do the sermon or the teaching today, won't hurt you. So, I mean, the whole thing is empty over here, and we have a we have a hand up over here with Pastor Dan. Good morning.
3: Good morning, church. So I'm Dan, and uh, we got some good news. I got two testimonies, actually. Uh, One is that uh, our son John is a miracle baby. He got married to Jamie, who's a miracle baby. Today, yesterday, they had a miracle baby born to them, our second grandchild. (laughs) Easton Rivers is his name, and... uh, the, the initials are ER, which goes with our son John. He was in the ER all the time, uh, skateboarder and all kinds of other things. But anyway, we, we hope that's not a prophetic name, initials. But, uh, but in any case, it's a delight for us. And, uh, we're hoping that, uh, grandma will be going down to Austin soon to, to help take care of the baby. But, uh, the other testimony is, um, it says in, uh, second Corinthians about, Uh, comforting people with the comfort that we have been comforted by and when you pick that apart it means some of the bad stuff that happens to us becomes God's opportunity to touch somebody else in their struggle and uh, as you may notice you know I'm sitting on the pew because I've got bursitis I can't stand and uh, without pain building up and so uh, Sharon and I went down to Eastern Market and and uh, we've got this telescoping stool that uh, you kind of can carry it and then you, <laughs> it gets like that, and I plunk it down so that when we're standing there, you know, looking at stuff or, you know, trying to buy stuff or whatever, you know, I don't have to stand, I can sit down. And so I'm, you know, doing that all over Eastern Market. And uh, we were at this one shed and this woman comes up to me and she says, oh that is so amazing so amazing tell me how you can get this and it turns out her husband has a similar condition to me and he has been basically shut in because of being afraid of being out there and getting stuck and having a lot of pain build up and uh and so you know i was able to to connect we we you know shared contact information and and all that so that uh uh, you know, my, my struggle ended up, because I was doing it out in public, becoming an opportunity to minister to somebody else in their struggle. And so, you know, I think that's really important that we just, you know, be out there and let the Lord shine through our good stuff, but also through our tough stuff, because uh, Jesus, Jesus is out there working. Amen. 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 Thank you.
1: Show of hands. Come on now. Yes. So this past week was uh, the first week of school, and normally there's a lot of anxiety for me, not necessarily my kids, but for me. And um, I just really felt the peace of God um, just blanket our household. And any time that there were waves of anxiety that might creep up, I was able to think back on Bo's blessing this past Sunday,
4: and just, I just really felt a, a peace that I normally don't feel on that first week of school. Thanks. Amen. Yeah.
1: I, I know there's a number of folks in here for the first time. Uh, some are Detroit Lion fans. Others are the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Yay! Anybody else? behind me oh amanda i'll make you halfway amanda
4: (laughs) there you go good morning church um what rachel said just brought something to mind for me um last week we were not here i was on zoom and pastor Bo came by my house and he prayed for my daughters and prayed for the school year. And it was, my daughters had anxiety for different issues, friends, you know, different things. And he spoke to each and every um, situation. And that week, that first week, both of them came home amazed with how things worked out for them. So I called Bo and I'm like, Bo, this is amazing. Thing because they're going to make that connection with the prayer to how things worked out for them you know things work out for them you know period it, it works out for us we are his children we're father's children but to have that at the forefront that that prayer for them and that father father was with them and they just So it was just, it was pretty amazing. And we have an awesome pastor. We have two awesome pastors. I just want to say that.
1: Anyone else? Well, I do have a short story for you. Oh, we got, here we go. Hello.
4: Hi, I'm Patty. Um, I've asked for prayer before for my daughter. She lives in Florida. She's 38 years old, very high-risk pregnancy. Um, so we're at 18 weeks, and she felt the baby kick. Yeah. So oh. I'm gonna try to get it on the prayer request, so thanks. What's her name? Tia.
1: Tia. Um, a little story, uh, 70 years ago, a singer, by the name of Bing Crosby now half of you are too young and they've never heard of Bing Crosby but uh, but he sang a song um about blessing and I'm thinking I start to think when I listen to the song how many of us talk about the blessings that have given us by God yes it's like when I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count the blessings instead of sheep. That's right. So I'm wondering what kind of blessings you have. Uh, I have so many I could take a legal pad and have three or four pages. So just just shout out what your what the kind of blessings you have, and let's just make this a open open forum. just what are your blessings? Okay. There you go. Come to church every day. Ours, of course, is our, my family. Um, I got to tell you, whatever, whatever Carol and I do this weekend, it's going to come in second place from me being here because I feel really sad when I'm not able to come to this sanctuary on Saturdays, but our Sundays. But I'm here. So what else? What else are you, Jerry? You, you have so many things. What are you? What's your blessing? Well, you're not just, just. What What are you blessed with? Your health, yes.
4: My name is Shelley. Um, I've been coming here for three weeks, and you all are a blessing. And I just want to say that um, God has given me many blessings through my mistakes. And my children came out of a time when I was on drugs and working in the bars, and they have been my light. And they, I. <sighs> and i now have i have now have three grandchildren and another one on the way and um you know just god has given me so much through that um and i really love him and thank him he will take out of the darkness and um bring things into the light and he is just amazing
1: Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I'm coming. Here you go. Hi. Hey everyone. Yeah, so I was able to move into my house after renovations this month. And thank you. One blessing I wanna say, my my one and only shower isn't quite ready yet. So I've had to go to the gym every morning and do cardio um, and shower at the gym. So I thank God for blessings even during waiting. Amen. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have given us. We humbly thank you for this day that we can come and gather as brothers and sisters in this beautiful sanctuary. May our life be full of joy, and may the day be joyous to all of us. We ask these things in your name, Jesus the living Christ. Amen.
0: we letting the kids go right now mm-hmm. if if you are a kid you are released <laughs> there we go we have one kid we have two kids we have three kids all released
1: hi right, kids go out
0: <laughs> all right we have a couple more songs right Harvey's a kid. Go on, Harvey. You're released.
2: <laughs> no, we're
0: good. Never mind. Never mind. We got it. All right, we have a couple more songs. Why don't you stand on up? Or if you want to, you can sit. Here we go. Thank mm-hmm. you.
5: Hi, welcome to Genesis. Uh, my name is Greg, and I'm so glad you're all here today. Please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out either the digital connection card on our website or the physical green card in your pew. Uh, this is where you can give us uh, some information about yourself or if uh, just share a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. Um, if you're new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94000. Uh, we have some business we need to close the loop on so we have the 2023 budget available uh, for the community to affirm. So if you call our church your home um, let's do this right now. So you can affirm the budget with the paper ballot in the back of the sanctuary or you can follow the text we sent out this morning or there's a link in the eblast. Um, you can place that phys- um, yeah so you can place the physical green card I mentioned before or the paper ballot. Uh, and you're offering in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. Thank you to all who give, uh, whether physically, online, or through text. Uh, we are a nonprofit, and, a, um, and we only function through the gifts um, of this community. So, uh, one of the vision pieces that we want to hang on to in all that we do, whether it's the budget or anything else, um, is we want to sh- change the world through creating spaces of belonging through helping individuals identify and uh, develop their calling and through taking action uh, for the good of others. So part of that uh, creating spaces for belonging uh, as we're eating today right after our service. So please plan to stay for burgers and hot dogs. There is enough and you belong. Uh, We want to we will be taking communion at the tables uh, during the meal together as well. Um, Another opportunity is we're having coffee and prayer this Tuesday um, from 8.30 to 10 in the Genesis Lobby. Um, Everyone is welcome, uh, whether before work or after you drop your kids off to school. You can stay for, um, I think, any portion of that time. Um, Yeah, and then Amanda, do you have something to say about benevolence?
4: Thank you um good morning again Uh, sorry i'm just keep thinking about that last song give me jesus oh yes i don't know oh um i am a part i am on staff here at genesis and i am a part of uh the benevolence team the benevolence team um takes care of the surrounding community and you know beyond So there are people who are have fallen um, on hard times and they contact us, you know, if they need help with um, utility bills or food. So I wanted to invite you to help us with that. Normally I go and I grab Kroger cards for them and have them available. Sometimes I mail them or sometimes they come in. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to help. If you go to Kroger um, sometime this week or in the future, if you could grab a $25 Kroger card, so it would be on hand for us to give to those in need. I know a lot of people, you know, sometimes you don't think that this, this happens, we get in our bubble, but there are people who need help out there. And so if that's something that you would like to do, um, just go grab a Kroger card. If you see me at church, you can hand it to me or you can hand it to any of the staff members. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would come and join me with this. It would be very helpful. Can I get an amen? Oh, goodness, my kids do it better. Can I get an amen? There you go.
5: That's all the announcements we have, so say hi to someone around you. Thanks.
6: We're ready. Okay. Well, good morning again. Way to connect. We've got a lot of great opportunities for that this morning. Thank you, for those who shared this morning. I, was, I, I've got, I got one question that, that I have to know the answer to before I can move on. Jonathan, you shared that you've been going to the gym to shower because your bathroom is broken. Are you working out more, or are you just pretending to be sweaty and then go right to the showers? So is it causing you to exercise more by having your shower there? (laughs) He says he can't just go straight to the shower, that he feels like he's got to use a machine or two before he can do that. So if you're looking to figure out your way to exercise more, destroy your bathrooms and slowly rebuild them. And go to the gym to shower. There you have it. That's life hack from Jonathan. My name is Bo. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be with you this morning. I got another question for you. Like mantra. Do you have a mantra for life? Like almost like a saying or like how you see things. How some people have mantras. So here's some people nodding. Amanda, what's your mantra? Teamwork makes, Teamwork makes the dream work. All right, that's nice. That's a good one. Dan, you've got a mantra? From Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 21. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right? Cool. don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Anyone else have a mantra? Heather? But what if it's actually okay? What if it actually works out? Oh. What if it actually works out, like a mantra of optimism? Yeah, different people have mantras for seeing the world or engaging the world. Some of the mantras are like, more money, more. Same, different day. Right? They're like ways of viewing the world and your life. It's called a perspective. How do you see it? How do you see the world? What's your way of viewing it? Is it dangerous? Is it optimistic? Is it scary? Is it limited? Or other, way, other perspectives of how we see things, it's like, well, how do you see God? Is God aloof? Is God dangerous? Is God evil? Is God kind? Is God merciful? Is God near? What's your perspective on seeing God? How do you see yourself? What's your perspective of yourself? Are you introverted, extroverted, easygoing, high, strong, passionate? What's your way of seeing others? We all have these perspectives. Ways of viewing things in this world. Our perspective is the way that individuals, they see the world. comes from your own personal point of view, comes from your experiences, it comes from your values, it comes from your current state of mind, it comes with your assumptions that you bring into the situation, and a whole lot of other things. But all of us have one, a way of seeing things. But how does God see the world? How does God see you? And how does God see others? What is God's perspective on those things? And we might say, I don't know. Or I've got a few ideas. But we all have a way of seeing the world, and God has a way of seeing the world. And they don't always line up. Our perspectives, our view of things, may not be God's view of things. But for you to know what God's perspective is, God has to tell you. God has to reveal it. He's got to share it with you, the way he sees the world, the way he sees you, and the way he sees others. So here's my hypothesis. What if God is like this? What if God spoke like, like, what if there was an invitation that was worded just like this? I would love to share how I see things. Are you willing to ask and then listen? I would love to share with you how I see the world, how I see you, and how I see others. Are you willing to ask me and listen? That can be intimidating, maybe even scary to ask. But today, that's what I want to look at. There's a passage in the, in the lectionary that's a set group of readings in the scripture. This is right after the text that Ryan shared with us last Sunday about the disciples declaring that Jesus is the Messiah. This is found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 20 to 28. So let me read this uh, to us. You can follow along. The scripture will be behind me. and, um, and Or you can pull out your phone. But as we do... We know that God is the one who illuminates, so let's be open to hear from God. So Father, open our eyes to the beauty of your revelation. Open our eyes to your perspectives. Come and teach us and whisper to us your beautiful mysteries and the truths that have been long anchored from the beginning of time. We ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Here we go, Matthew chapter 16, 21 to 28. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would rise from the dead. He'd be raised from the dead. That's what Jesus began to tell them plainly. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna be handed over, here's the people who are gonna do this. They're going to kill me, but three days later I will be raised from the dead. And at this moment, it says, but Peter, who was the main character of a portion of the text last week, takes Jesus aside, not to embarrass Jesus, takes him to the side and begins to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Now, heaven forbid, it's a, it's a polite way because they aren't gonna say God's name, but it's a way of saying, God forbid this. No, 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 God doesn't allow what you've just spoken. No way, this is not gonna happen. What are you saying? Stop. And this is reprimand. This is coming from Peter, one of his disciples. And then Peter, or sorry, then Jesus speaks to Peter and says this. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So this one is what stuck to me. So first. Um, The word satan, that's a Hebrew word. So in our Bible, in English, there's words that have their origin in Hebrew. This is one of them, satan. It's fully Hebrew, comes from their language. It means oppressor. It can be a noun, it can be a verb, but it's a way to describe something. It's one who opposes. It's one who's getting in the way. It's an accuser. This is what Jesus uses. says, get away from me. You're getting in the way. You're, you're, you're dangerous trapped for me. And then Jesus says these words: You're not seeing things mere, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God. Your perspective is off. And Jesus uses this moment to pull everyone else in, moves away from Peter, and begins to speak to all the disciples as he's heading toward Jerusalem. And then he teaches them all with this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Jesus is pausing and he's wanting to teach his disciples and Peter something really specific. This is a specific point in time when Jesus is gonna to go to something terrible. He knows what's coming, but he's, he's going there. And he knows what God's intent of it is. But, but in this, I wanna ask you just a couple of questions, a couple of things that I think are clear in that. It's that there's people in this story who, who bring death, and there's people in the story who bring life. And I think this is so crucial for us to understand Who are the ones who bring death in the life of Jesus and who are the ones who bring life? Because the truth of the matter is sometimes we have this perspective of seeing the world and we sometimes think that God is the death dealer, meaning that God is the one who deals in death. And so we have this way of viewing the world and when something happens, we say, oh, that was God. That was God's hand in doing that. That was God who reached out and struck them down. Oh, this person, this must have been God who is actively involved. And, and that's a perspective that, that some have had. But again, when we read the scriptures and we look at these things that say, the death dealers and the life giver, it's very clear. When Jesus, when he talked about death dealers, he said there's a thief, and the thief only comes to kill, deal in death, to steal, and to destroy, to annihilate, which is to eliminate you. But I have come to give you life, and full life, not a death stealer. God is the life giver. He's the one who gave it to you from the beginning. You exist because he called you into being. You exist because he formed you in your mother's womb. You exist because he breathed upon you. By his delight and his goodwill, God is a life giver. And the invitation of Jesus is this one of saying, there's this offer of life. Death is is the natural inclination of us going our own way, separated from God and from others and wanting to separate in any way. That's the natural consequence for many of the perspective that we have in the way we live life. So just as a way, now, now, this idea about God being life-giving or God being the death dealer can be one that can be rooted in us deeply. That we can have these ideas, these perspectives in us about who God is that can be way wrong. And these perspectives about ourselves that can be way wrong. And it's only by God's grace and kindness that these get revealed for these perspectives that give life. So one hope today and we hear this, but Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's, and he's telling, he's using this language, saying, hey, I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna be raised to life three days later. And they said, uh-uh, no way, uh this is not the way to go. And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, if you wanna follow me, you're gonna go this way too. But you gotta hear in that, but Jesus is saying, but if you go this way, it leads to life, not death. God is a life giver. Always has been, always is, leading us to life. But we have this need for how we see things. And this was when I was sitting with this today. Now, the, um, the Jewish teachers, the ones who gave us the scriptures for the majority of them written by Jewish people um, earlier than the first century, but they had this way and they said this. They say the scriptures are a 70-sided gem. When you take a 70-sided gem and you turn it and you're like, oh, interesting. Let me look at it that way. And you can turn it 70 times for it to be illuminated. All scriptures are that way. So much beauty, so much revelation. And so in this, I want to just turn this text just a little bit. Now, as I read it, if there was something that grabs you, if there was something within it that stuck in you, uh, that, that prompted your mind and your heart, write it down. Ask God, what what is that and what do you want me to know of it? Let him, let him do, let him point out something for you. But I sense just one spot that I want to sit in today and it has to do with Jesus' words to Peter saying, you have set your mind from a human view, not from God's view. And then he says it again almost and he says, hey, if you want to follow me, you've got to give up your own way. That's, that's having your own way, that's going your own way, doing the things you know how to do them. You must, you must put aside going your own way, pick up your cross and follow me. I want to spend a couple minutes talking about that, asking some questions for us about that today, about seeing things merely from a human point of view or seeing things from God's point of view. Now. You know, the only way that we see things is from a human point of view. <laughs> I mean, there is nothing wrong with seeing things with a human point of view. Uh, they can be flawed, but this is our perspective. We're human. And when Jesus is saying you're seeing things from a human point of view or from a godly point of view, he's not just talking morality. He's not just saying, oh, you're seeing things. Here's the good things. Here's the bad things. No, he's just saying there's another way to see things and that God's view is way different than ours. Now, if I was going to take this literally, do we have any optometrists in the room? Good. <laughs> then they cannot correct me. What percentage, now I think just, just this, hypothetical, what percentage, when you're looking forward, what degree of eyesight do you think that you have? 90 degrees is like this, right? This is 180 degrees. If you can put your hands out there, put your head forward, can you see both of your hands? No. So you do not see 180 degrees, so some of you say, I can see both of my hands when looking forward. What percentage do you think most people have, or do you have? 145. 145. Do we have anybody else want to go higher or lower than 145? The one closest without going over wins. 160. 160, Dan. Can I get one more? 120? Nice. Do I have a $1? Do I have a $1? All right, the 120, because it's like 130 is the view. That's that's how much we see. That's our limited perception. How about distance? Distance is interesting because um, there's so many variables. With our own vision, how far you can see. Some can see um, Mount Everest, I think, from like 50 miles away. That's pretty good. Um, They said that some on a clear day, if there's a candle 1.6 miles away, they can see it. But there's issues because the earth is round. And so when it comes to the horizon, you're limited by even the slope. So we are so limited by what we see and by our own perceptions and our experience and our values because we were created, and we have limits. But what about God's point of view? Sometimes we have a worldview that isn't helpful. A pretty common worldview is is one that we are all separate individuals. A worldview that says we're isolated islands. It's a belief and a, a mindset and a worldview that says we all stand alone, and you got to take care of your own. Then if somehow we got like this circle. Maybe it's just around us, or maybe in that worldview is like, oh no, just me and my family, me and my kids, my husband, or me and my spouse, or me and my neighbor. Right, like, like the circle. It's really small but we're isolated. Or maybe it's me and my country and the circle goes out that way and we isolate ourselves in that worldview and that kind of says we need to protect what is ours um, and we need to defend ourselves and what is ours from others. It's a worldview for seeing things. That worldview has kind of almost a mantra that says this, there's not enough. And if your worldview is that there's not enough, what do you need to do? You need to protect it, you need to hoard it, you need to defend it. And we saw this like in 2020 with the crazy toilet paper stuff, right? That, that was, that's almost comical, isn't it? There was a run on toilet paper. It's terrifying if there's not enough, but there's a number of other solutions. I don't need to make my talk about that today, <laughs> but we know the example. I'm tempted, yes, I've got my brain. We'll probably want to stay there longer than it should. But there's not enough. And when we, when we live out of that mantra that there's not enough, that means we must separate, we must pull to ourselves, and it's a worldview that has tons of implications and issues. And it's one that sometimes we can't even help to live in that says, you're on your own, no one's got your back, um, you got to protect yourself. Even the phrase "being a self-made person" is one that is sort of etched in that in that mantra. That oh, you, you're an island. You got there by yourself. We're interdependent. It's a worldview the way to see things. You have to look out for your own self-interest because there's not, enough, there's not enough to go around. That's a worldview. That's a perspective of seeing things. But God has a viewpoint. I was trying to practice this beautiful truth of asking God to eliminate his viewpoint, to share with me, God, what do you think of the world? God, what do you wanna to say to me? And what do you want to say to us? And giving a chance to God to listen. So I paused for a second. And, and, and when, we play, when we experiment in this way by asking God, the invitation is to be um, I use the language naive, but it's like, don't fight your mind. Don't allow the whisper to come in and don't fight against it. Like, don't undermine what you hear. Ask Ask like a child, and listen, and write down what you hear. And so I heard something, and immediately I'm judging it. And I'm like, don't judge it. <laughs> Re- receive. I judge it. Um, it sounds way too common. It sounds like, like a, it was like a fortune cookie. You know? And this is what I heard. And God wanted to speak to me. And he said this. I care for you. I've always cared for you. I'm like, thanks. When God speaks to us about us or about someone else about that, he's saying, God is saying that because I need to hear that. Because there is parts of me that doesn't believe it. Because there's a part of me that has another narrative, another perspective that has told me, that tells me something else. And that narrative has been, I'm on my own. I've done this practice, when you take your life, because sometimes we can have this perspective, and so that the idea I'm on my own, this is a narrative that is a lie that I believe. And, and had certain circumstances from the time I was about 18 or 19 that I've been on my own. That's what I sort of told myself. I graduated high school, I moved into another house, and I've been on my own since that time. Um, I, I, the narrative that I tell myself for the one, that, that perspective, right, from my own experiences, there's been moments when i looked at it and said, I've made every important decision in my life by myself. Meaning there weren't people speaking into my life about what I should do, where I should live, who I should marry, I was just kind of like, Doing it on my own. That's a perspective through experience. And that's one that I have spoken out. It's like, oh, I've been by myself. And in hindsight, there's been times when I've looked at those things and said, gosh, I wish I would have had more people speaking into my life. But then, when you take a little practice of looking back at your life over all the moments of it, there's an exercise of doing like a, a timeline for your life when you begin to write down all of the big moments and the terrible moments, all the shaping moments, all the things that have shaped you, positive and negative, and putting them in order, all of a sudden you get a different perspective. And one where God is speaking and saying, I, I cared about you in every one of those moments and I was with you in every one of those moments. And God begins to show me God's own hand, but also the hand of others who were connected to me in all of those times. So in this week, even when I heard that, it gave me a moment to, to confess, which is to speak the untruth that I carry. And my confession was just this, oh, I feel like there's time when I was on my own and doing my own thing and by myself. That's what confession is. It's just speaking the untruth that we've believed. I believed I was by myself, on my own and no one had my back and it's an untruth. When God begins to speak with God's perspective. I believe that God wants to do that. God wants to speak into these moments of untruth, wants to to rewrite these stories that sometimes that we have had in there that says, oh, there's not enough or we're by ourselves, and wants to paint a different kind of worldview with God at the center, a worldview of connection, of seeing ourselves as connected to God, and seeing ourselves as connected in this living world that God has created, and seeing ourselves as connected to each other in the world, and interconnectedness. And one that says, there's enough. And when we're connected, we, we can live differently, and we can share differently. And in this, we have God, with his perspective, he's inviting us into his life and his way of living. When we get God's perspective, God's viewpoint. God's inviting us into that. He's inviting us into the same kind of life that he had. But our perspective, a way of seeing the world, has to be shaped by God's truth and not our own. One of the things that I want to invite you that I want to hand to you naively an invitation to want more of God's perspective. And wanting God's perspective and knowing that God would willingly give it to you. Jesus said, whoever asks receives. Whoever searches, finds. Whoever knocks, the door is opened. Could that be the truth, a promise to this, to gaining God's way of seeing things? For God to open up to us these mysteries of who God is? These mysteries of actually who we are and the mysteries of who others are by God revealing it to us, by us asking? I wanna invite you just to daily ask, God, what do you wanna show me about you? God, what do you wanna show me about myself? God, what do you wanna reveal to me about others? And to live in that. Our own perspectives and God's perspectives may not always be the same. And when we align ourselves to God's perspectives, it will lead us in a different way of following Jesus. Sometimes in really small things and sometimes in really large things. It all depends on the moment of our life and how God speaks and how we step into it. The small things could be God's perspective as we're at a grocery store and we say, Lord, what do you think of this person? And the Lord whispers, saying, oh, I love them deeply. Now, you've got to ask the question, why does God want you to know that he loves them deeply? Well, then I have to believe that there's some part of them that doesn't believe that. But that's why God would tell that to you, especially if it's kind and comforting and encouraging. Most of us, when we go into a grocery store, when we are going about our day, or we come in here, we already have a formula for 98% of our relationships, how we're going to engage them. That formula goes something like this. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm doing pretty good, not too bad. How about you? I'm doing good too. Great, what's going on? Nothing much. Hey, how was your week? Good, how about yours? Good too, not too bad. Same day, different. Right, right we've got a formula. Like, and, and those aren't bad. Sometimes we need these formulas. We have more of them than you know. You have more of them than you know. You have patterns, schedules, and formulas for life. For everything. You probably have one for the morning. You, you get up, what's the first thing you do? What's the second thing you do? What's the third thing you do? You could probably make the list. It's your pattern. It's your formula. We have that for multiple conversations that we have. And and, and that's not bad. But with God, a lot of times those formulas go out the window because he's wanting to connect deeply. When you ever see Jesus, he never followed a formula of any kind. Not when it came to healing. Not when it came to conversation. That's why it's so troubling sometimes when you read the Bible and you're like, wow, that's way different. Maybe he responded in this one to that one because every person is so unique. So sometimes we gotta, we gotta let God blow us out of our, gotta let God shift us away from our formulas or our formulaic way of thinking and living to be interrupted with life and mystery of saying, oh, you're seeing this from a human point of view. Same thing, different day instead of from God's point of view. And he wants to open you up to mysteries about himself, about yourself, or about others, if we'd ask. This is not to guilt us into a different kind of living. This is to awaken us to life, that Jesus is offering his disciples saying, don't go your own way. Take up my cross. I'll teach you what that means, but follow me in self-giving love towards others. I don't live that way. I have schedules and formulas and patterns. I have days when my day is just like I'm doing one errand to the next, and there was zero mystery in the entire day. That's not because it wasn't there. It's because I was stuck. I was stuck in my routine, in my formula, in my pattern in my schedule. For me, sometimes my phone and my calendar, do you guys got your calendar on your phone? What you got going on tomorrow? Some of you need to do a little bit of this, get your phone out. I don't see anyone doing what I've said. And <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not like a super authoritative person, but I can see you. I can see 1.6 miles away of a candle. So get your phone out, if you've got one. Put it up in front of you, if you've got one. And we're gonna practice something. You ready? This might be another spiritual thing for you. Get behind me, Satan! (laughs) This thing, this thing can stop us from moments of wonder and mystery. I know for me it can. The dumb games I play when I have a little moment of pause, the stupid things I scroll on, there's a distraction and I'm not asking the beautiful questions because I have something I can look at. I was listening to um, uh, this movie director, yeah, he's on, on NPR, and he's like, he has a flip phone. And that's a sign of privilege, and I know he's got tons of privilege because he's a millionaire, but he says he doesn't do it because he wants space in his life to think, to see, and to engage in mystery. And know for me, get behind me, Satan, this tool doesn't help in this for me. We have a God who wants to tell us God's perspective, wants to show us his perspective, God's perspective of what God is like, wants to illuminate that mystery to us, wants to illuminate the mystery of ourself to us. And so when God whispers things about ourselves, we need to always ask, why did you tell me that? And when God tells us something about someone else, we should ask, why did you tell me that? And these things are to give us life, that's why God tells it, because God is a life giver. So I invite you, there is a God who wants to give life, who wants to invite us into the greater mysteries, and saying, I I pray and I hope that our minds could be moved from a human perspective to God's perspective. And this is right before us today, a free gift. May we say yes. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You're a good teacher. You want to illuminate. You want to highlight. You want to disclose to us the beauty and the mysteries of this world. That is who you are. You are not hidden. You are near. We are not alone. You have our back, and you are for us. And you are a life giver. And you invite us in a beautiful, playful, joyful, but also serious invitation to not go our own way, but to go your way. And you're faithful to lead us in that and to reveal it to us and to guide us to it through what you've left for us in your scriptures, through your spirit, and through others. So, Lord, we want to see better. So we ask Teach us the mysteries of who you are. Father, teach us about ourselves. What do you want to tell us about ourselves? And teach us the mysteries of each other. What do you want to tell us about each other? Thank you that you are not hidden, but you're near. Amen. If you want another anchoring text, I I meant to reference this for you before we break and, and eat. It's a beautiful text in 1 Corinthians that Paul uses to the early church in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and it says this, no one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts, except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. It's a gift. This is not out of reach. This is a promise of the wonderful things that God has given us, which is life. Oh, be at Hope Church, and I pray we would ask and receive. So today, as we're going about, we're, we've got burgers, we've got hot dogs. You may have brought a side disc to share. Awesome. I remembered this morning and I grabbed vegetable sticks, like those, like the, the vegetable chips and some grapes, you know, and others you did, but we've got a ton of hot dogs. We got a ton of burgers and other things. We would love for everyone to stay if you can. There's enough. And when we go down there and eat, we're also gonna take communion around those tables and be reminded of the beauty which God has revealed to us about God's self through that sacrament of bread and juice. So we invite you to stay. If you need to go, we totally understand. But if you're staying, head on down to South Hall. You can grab your kids. We are going to eat together. We're so glad that you're here today. Next Tuesday at 8.30, there's a coffee in the morning. Uh, Have a great Labor Day if you're not sticking around, and God bless you.